no one likes to talk about before a marriage about the marriage ending because yeah. that it, I think there's a superstition. If we talk about it ending, then we're just we're are we just planning on it ending? Got but it. like, are you going to enter into any other logistical consideration where you're like, you know, I'm going to go do this thing, but fifty percent of the time it might not work out. Imagine if you were going to get in your car and drive somewhere. Yeah. Your car 50% of the time might break down on that road. Are you going to have any supplies in the car for like if it breaks down? You're going to like have water? Are you going to make sure your cell phone's charged? Are you going to like have Geico to call like right. for roadside assistance? <laughs> right. like, you know what? I don't want to have any of that preparation because I, I don't, that might jinx it that the car might break down this time. Welcome to the Couple Collective. I'm your host, Julian Lewis. Every week, we're going to bring you stories from couples to understand their path to making their relationship work. Drop that beat. Sean, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be back. Indeed. Um, people loved the initial episode. Oh, terrific. Um, yeah, definitely. I got my mom, especially. Yeah. <laughs> loved it. Um, well, but I got to meet her at the barbecue. And that's and, uh, true. She, she had some nice things to say. Yeah. Wonderful woman. I see yeah. where you get some of your charm. Most about, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Still my biggest fan. Fantastic. Um, so we talked about marriage yeah. uh, in our last episode. We did. Um, you had recommended af- after the podcast that I check out the book, The New I Do. Yes. Um, and I did have an opportunity to read it. Perfect. And I definitely love to spend some time just discussing. Let's get into the it. Book. All right, awesome. So the book is really about you know rethinking what we know about marriage, but then also kind of redefining the constructs of marriage. Is that a good summary of? I I, I think so. You know, when I recommend this book to couples, either that I'm working with or even friends, or I've bought it for couples who are getting engaged, I think it's a great like I've gotten engaged, we're considering marriage, we're gonna move forward, but let's spend the year not just planning a wedding, but actually spend plan the spend the year you know, planning what our marriage is going to look like and what, what our values are. I think, you know, for most people, when they come together, the template for what marriage looks like, if they even give half a thought of it, is usually just their parents. And that, that may be a great template. It may be exactly what people want. For some people, their parents may not be the template they want for their relationship, or it might be the anti-relationship. It's like, I know what my parents did. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to go forward and do this. But I think in this day and age, it's important to have the idea of like what marriage could be and have a little bit of a different um, perspective as they walk through various ways that two people can make their lives together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any individual one that's spoken about in this book is going to wholly fit any particular people or fit any particular people in a certain period of their lives. Yeah. But I think it's good for people to say, well... If I'm not going to have a marriage like my parents, what kind of marriage could I have? What would feel good to me? What would feel right to me? And normalize their feelings of what they want. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I think one of the biggest things that I took away from it and just kind of looking at marriage as a whole and the evolution of it and kind of like the the amount of uh, responsibility the partner has for that other person mm-hmm. um, in a lot of cases in what like what you consider a traditional relationship. So sure. soulmate, lover, best friend, yeah. um, co-parent, right. um, and also like making sure that they have great communication. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask of one person. Completely. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I've thought a lot about it and I've thought about some of my past relationships and, and how, you know, I wanted her to support me um, for like a side hustle idea that I had. Right. But by supporting, it was just like I wanted them to be involved. But I'm just like... 
taking a step back and reading this book, I'm just like, did I really need them to do that? Sure. Or instead, did I need them to be um, just more of a supporter of the things that I'm doing right. and less of a crutch to help me complete those things? Right, right. And and like, could they, it, could you have found a way that they would have supported you, but maybe someone doing more of the practical or logistical on that side hustle piece, like, would that have taken away from your primary relationship? Right. Like, would it have? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But ultimately that... You know, you can kind of configure that any way you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I think it's the same even with like, you know, trying to get back into shape. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that's just something I need to do for myself, and right. like I don't necessarily need that person to be a crutch. And I think in our existing relationship now, like Emily's so passionate about working out. Sure. Um, and I don't share the same passion necessarily. Like right. we have this gym that we're actually recording in. It's an office slash gym, but it's a phenomenal yeah. recording gym, by the way, <laughs> best recording gym I've ever been in. Right. So. And so she uh, was down here at like seven o'clock this morning working out on a Sunday. Um, but she doesn't expect for me to wake up at 7 a.m. and work out with her. She would like it, yeah. and every once in a while we will work out, we'll hike together, but it's not um, something that she's putting on me in order to totally. fulfill herself. But it, it, and again, you know, it's very different when you're like, I'm looking for an activity partner to do this activity with all the time, yeah. or I have a partner that is supportive of the habits and the lifestyles I wish to aspire to, yeah. and they will be encouraging of those things without you know, without requiring anything, yeah. right? You know, she's, you know, she lives a healthy lifestyle. She, you bring healthy foods in the house. You, you guys work out, you know, she works out and that will be that reminder around you. What, what healthy choices do I want to make, yeah. you know, to complement the healthy lifestyle she's bringing to the yeah. relationship? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, um, you know, just thinking about marriage as a whole mm -hmm. and, um, you know, getting married in front of your, your friends and family and then also just like the contract of marriage, it doesn't really seem, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong, and I feel like I took this from the book, it's like, it doesn't really seem that there's any sort of obligation behind the, as like, um, the government or the state sees it. There's no, like, this person has to be good to you, like, this person has to do this for you. Um, and so it's like, do we really then need for them to be involved, meaning like the government and the state. And, and I, I feel like that was touched on uh, near, like throughout this book. Yeah. You know, again, you know, when we have all these like preconceived notions about the institution of marriage that, and, you know, even people say, you know, it, and actually, you know, one of the times that I heard it the most was around when California Prop 8 was looking to legalize uh, gay marriage for yep. the LGBT community. Yep. And everyone kept hearkening back to this idea of like traditional marriage. And it's like, well, okay, but what, what are we looking at for traditional marriage? They were pointing to something that was seen on television in the 1950s, yeah. right? A man, a woman, 2.5 kids, house, right? But I'm like, well, you know, what if we said traditional marriage was a couple thousand years ago where like women were a transfer of property. Right. I give a man cattle and he gives me a wife who could then, you know, procreate. We procreate together. We have children who would then those children be my workforce. Right. Do we want to get back to that? I mean, because that, that that's a more traditional marriage. I don't think so. I don't think that's what people really want. And so when we start to unravel these preconceived notions about what marriage is, it then, it can be kind of scary because suddenly you don't have a template or blueprint of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, you know, the, the, the general flow that I've heard from people is, you know, you grow up, you get your education. Mm -hmm. Once you have your education, find a career out of that education. Then find a life partner, yep. get married, have kids. 
you can do things out of that order, but it becomes more challenging. Like that would be the, the, the easiest path to do. Yeah. If you can have kids before you have an education, but getting an education after you have kids isn't really challenging. Yeah. Um, but again, once, so you have that template, but like what you do into each individual piece or how you go about doing those things is nearly infinite, yeah. right? You know, you can do your education any way you want. You know, you can find any sort of life partner and the life you guys make together can be anything you want. Yeah. But it is going to require some self-introspection about what you want out of life personally mm -hmm. and how that would, and if you want a partner first, you know, we come from a standpoint and I think a lot of our conversations, there's this general assumption that everyone wants to find a life partner. That isn't necessarily so. But if you do want to find a life partner, how they fit into the life you want to lead yeah. still requires that internal thoughts of like, what do I want out of life? Yeah. And, and I think, so the one thing that you, you touched on is, is gay marriage. And, you know, one of the things, you know, having, you know, the government involved is that there is, for being married, there are some benefits, right. um, you know, financially mainly. And totally. it's crazy to me that uh, two people who are in love with one another right. and who want to be a partnership yep can't get those rights just because of the combination of the two people in it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, so that's, that's part of the reason why it's like, how, like, yes, it's great for the government to give those benefits, but it's just like, how can then a state define whether or not two people should be able to get married? Well, and you know, it's actually marriage just ends up being a, a bit of a shortcut. Um, yeah. you can through getting a lawyer and drawing up documentation, you can write, um, you know, power of attorney, Last will and testament. You can have all of the, you can have almost all of the protections of marriage outside of the marriage. But if you just go and get a marriage license, yeah. that is the default gives all of those benefits to that person. Um, California, I think, has some common law, domestic partnership, tax benefits. There is some wheedling around. But on the gay marriage piece, it is really interesting. Um, you know, for this in the 60s and 70s when people started to come out and be more vocal in in the world you know and then the the society said that marriage was going to be illegal for these people yeah it uh, well i think that was wrong uh, what it did provide for that community was an opportunity for them to say if we can't have marriage what we can then and society is going to say that our relationship is taboo anyway. Mm -hmm. We can then have the, the, the freedom to be and explore any style of relationships that we want. And so you see a lot more of the open relationships, more monogamish is a uh, term Dan Savage has coined, where you know the sexual monogamy in the LGBT community wasn't something that they defaulted into. It was something they opted into. There was, it was still a conversation that the two people would have saying, hey, what are you into? Do you do the things you want and things I want? Do they work together? Mm -hmm. And is that something we're going to want and moving forward? Yes, I'm glad that they have um, marriage now and all that stuff. But I, I think they came out and the things that the LGBT community can teach the heterosexual you know community is this idea of having a conversation yeah. about what you want and whether you two fit together right. and do the the path you two want to walk. Um, that's a conversation that starts at the beginning of a relationship in the LGBT community. It doesn't necessarily in the straight community. I think the straight community just kind of shuffles on into the default a lot yeah. of ways and doesn't start those conversations. Which I think is awesome. And I think that leads like, like perfectly into the new I do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, one of the things that it talks about is this starter marriage, right? right. So yeah. um, to, to your point of sure. defining what your marriage is, 
creating your own contract. And, you know, in the starter marriage, I feel like they talked about like making it short term, two years to five mm-hmm. years, right. um, and then revisiting it at that point. And, yeah. you know, for me, I was just like, you know, that is a brilliant idea, mainly the contract and defining the marriage as you want it to be. Sure. Um, and then having a point where you can then restructure it in two to five years. I think the first conversation I had with Emily about it, she wasn't thrilled of the idea of you know, going to the altar and saying, like, we're going to be married for two to five years. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, you know, looking at my own marriage, right? Oh. You know, we started with a long-distance relationship that kind of had an indefinite period of time attached to it. But there was kind of this, like, I'm ending, I, I, I'm graduating ahead of her. Yeah. And I, you know, we made, we had a discussion at some point of saying, when you graduate, are you planning on looking for work in Phoenix or should I look for work in the Bay Area and should we continue? We kind of like renegotiated the relationship. Do we want to make this relationship, do we need to change it from a long distance relationship to a in-town relationship? Yeah. We also had an, a question of like, do we want to move in together this time? We decided not to. It's okay. like, well, why don't we live together in the same city and see if you know we continue to connect in that way? Okay. Right. So that was a renegotiation of our relationship. We then, after a year, had a conversation and said, is this the time we want to move in together? Do we want to have that, you know, and see if that works out? We decided to try that out. We did that. We then, you know, lived together for a couple of years. We then got engaged. And, we, you know, and so at every stage, we were having these kind of like, not necessarily renegotiations, like sitting down with a mediator and like going up, hammering out a, a paper contract. Right. But they were discussions of, is, is the next stage of what we want to do compatible with each other? Right. You know, we got married. We then began graduate programs, and we decided to support each other through our graduate studies. Throughout our graduate studies, we had long, uh, intense conversations about whether or not transitioning our relationship into a co-parenting relationship was something that we wanted to do. Right. Um, you know, we both kind of came to... Uh, the relationship, you know, kind of was one of the first conversations that I recommend people have is, do you want to have kids? Yeah. Kids are kind of, if someone wants to have zero and someone wants to have one, there's kind of no way to negotiate that. Yeah. We both said that we wanted to have kids. So, you know, we, but, but when we got to the point of having kids, you know, a lot of the research points to, um, you know, marital satisfaction goes down with each kid that you have. Okay. <laughs> right. And so we and had, I a, guess, why is that? Like what? Um, it is the first major stressor in a relationship. Okay. Um, it is also means that the focus is not on you two meeting each other's needs. You're now meeting the needs of a third person. Got it. Um, there's exhaustion, there's stress, um, there's potential, you know, challenges with the child in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes people change when they become parents that are incompatible with their co-partners. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, and so, but like for me, you know, I very seriously looked at her and said, you know what, we are a great couple. We're, we're doing well together and I'm really happy with you. Why would I want to bring anything in this relationship that might damage that? And so we, you know, we decided that, you know, we, we, had, we had that conversation about transitioning into becoming a co-parent. It wasn't that we weren't still the young, hot, hip couple. Okay. We just also happened to be the young, hot, hip couple who had kids, right? Makes sense. But yeah, so like those conversations happen. It, they, they should happen. I think yeah. the, the, the couple will benefit because so many times we bring into conversations or, or into situations assumptions about what we think we're going to be like or do. And if we have assumptions about our our, co, our co-parents or co-partners um, that we're not 
telling them, yeah. and then they fall short of those assumptions, then we have contempt and resentment. And yeah. we're just like, you, you were not, you're not doing what I think in my head I wish you would do. Okay. So then I guess with the idea of this starter marriage, mm -hmm. you know, what I took from the book and they had an example contract in the book, which some of the things I was just like, I never even thought of it. And, sure. and actually to take like a, a, a quick sidestep, you know, as a part of purchasing this home that we're currently renting, yeah. um, you know, because Emily and I are not married, you know, and our parents are helping us um, to purchase it. You know, one of the things that they've asked is that just to make sure that we're clear on if something does go wrong, mm -hmm. like what's going to happen. So in a sense, we are creating a contract to say that if things go wrong, right. we will do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so I guess going back to the, the starter marriage and kind of creating a contract and, you know, they were talking about this couple in the book about, you know, what they were going to do with the dog, like visitation rights of the dog, right. like yeah. what they were going to do with some of the things that she brought into the relationship from like mm -hmm. family, like those definitely go to her or the things that they purchased together. Um, so it's very, very interesting, I guess, to ask you, like, what do you think are the things that are most important to include in a starter like marriage contract if that's a route that somebody wants to go and is there like a, a length of time that you think um like how can you look far out enough to know what to put in there i guess i think i think uh, without knowing the two people that are setting up a contract like every contract needs to be different for different people i think i think the new idea is a great starting point right okay. like it, it gives it gives general topics to consider I always like to start these kinds of conversations with what are our values? Yeah. What are the things we value? Because if we can find common purchase on the values that each person is bringing to a relationship, that makes the decisions easier because you always bring the decision back to, well, wait, 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 does this decision reflect our values? Yeah. Um, if it reflects our values, then let's make the decision that, that fits that or where's the wiggle room in terms of continuing to maintain the value? Okay. Um, you know, uh, money and property, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, in the, when they're starting relationships, they don't generally have a lot of property. Okay. Um, you know, if there's going to be some like money or transfer from family, sometimes families will put that in like a trust, right. And then that money can, you know, the trust, like, you know, you know, ultimately a lot of this stuff, you know, is the detail work of it. Okay. And, you know, I think it's good to think about, but ultimately, I mean, let's, let's say your parents were going to help you out buy the house. Let's say you and Emily got married. Yeah. Like ultimately that marriage might end and like, you're still going to have all these same questions yeah. about, well, what's going to happen with the loans that the family give or the money and the property, where does all that go out? And like that, again, that's just the details, right? I mean, you don't wish for it to end and people have this false sense of security that like, well, if you guys were married, then we don't have to worry about the relationship ending so that we change right. our, the way we look at these things. Very good point. <laughs> but there's, but there isn't anything like, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Like, and so the, the relationship ending is still a question that needs to happen. And I think, you know, no one likes to talk about before a marriage about the marriage ending because yeah. that it, I think there's a superstition. If we talk about it ending, then we're just, we're, are we just planning on it ending? Got but it. like... Are you going to enter into any other logistical consideration where you're like, you know, I'm going to go do this thing, but 50% of the time it might not work out. Imagine if you were going to get in your car and drive somewhere. Yeah. Your car 50% of the time might break down on that road. Are you going to have any supplies in the car for like, if it breaks down, you're going to like have water. You're going to make sure your cell phone's charged. You're going to like have Geico to call like right. for roadside <laughs> assistance. Right. Like, you know what? I don't want to have any of that preparation because I, I, that might jinx it that the car might break down this time or, or like earthquake supplies. Like, yeah. you know what, getting any earthquake supplies or having enough water to be able to shelter in place for a few days 
That's just saying, like, suddenly I'm now going to, like, trigger an earthquake. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Right, no, no, that's a, that's a really good point, and I, I think part of what they talked about in the book is, like, how society responds if you tell them you're having a starter marriage, and it seemed like in a lot of cases, people just didn't tell society, which, one, I don't think that they need to. Um, yeah. But I think, two, it's, like, the, the pressure of talking about the potential of it breaking, of you breaking up right. um, is one thing. And then also you brought up the point of like, you know, our parents would feel more comfortable like if we were married, but to your point, like that could potentially end. And so that's why more and more, like I get excited about the idea of us kind of constructing our own contract of something right. that works for us um, just to make sure that we are in a good place um, and we can check in in that two year, five year, whatever that period of time is. Yeah, and you know, look, I think anything that causes two people to have an open conversation about what they want yeah. increases the chance of them getting what they want. Yeah. If you are not articulating what it is you are looking for out of any given experience, you have to be partially responsible for not getting something out of that experience. Of course. And if, you know, and I don't necessarily think, you know, I, I'm not big on writing myself, but like if for two people actually writing things down and saying like, these are my, these are my, this is my tomorrow goal. This is my month goal. This yeah. is my year goal, five year, 10 year. If writing those things down gives you an idea of what road you want to take, great, do it. Um, and, and try to see where they match up. You know, I, I think that so many times People just are just like, well, I met someone, we get along mostly, yeah. the sex is good, and so let's get married. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's fine. You can do that. But if you're like, gosh, well, I really, I just thought after we got married, we would do X, Y, and Z. What did you ever say? You want X, Y, and or Z. Yeah, right. And if you didn't, well, it's your fault that you didn't say that. Because ultimately, that partner was like, I never wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I never wanted anything else to do with that. That was never part of the game plan. You never said that. Right. You could have been spending time trying to find someone that would fit those three letters instead of trying to change or manipulate your partner into being something that they aren't. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And I think just having that, that conversation about like what you want and... Like going back to like putting pressure on your partner to be everything. If you tell them that X, Y, and Z and they're just like, I can't support that. Then you know that maybe that this person isn't the person for you or right. like you decide like, okay, well maybe this one isn't as important and I should take that on myself or have like my best friend so-and-so take that on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think we can look to our larger communities uh, mm -hmm. for the th for the things in our lives. Um, you know, my you know, if you happen to play golf mm -hmm. and you're there isn't anything that says you have to golf with your spouse, right? right? Or you know, there's a, a particular hobby you have that like makes you a better person, like it makes you more round well rounded. If your partner's not into your hobby, that's okay, yeah. right? You know, like we can be whole people. And engage in the things we engage in and you know we can include our spouses in some of those things but like if if your spouse is like i'm really not interested in that thing yeah please go find someone else to go do right, that right, right. yahtzee right that's great just go just go find that yeah. if like there's something though about like hey you know what this this thing is really important to me and i really want the most important person in my life to be involved in it have that conversation and, and figure out, is there some way they can be involved in it? Maybe yeah. there is, maybe there isn't. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, and I guess um, just to give you insight into like this process for me, you know, it's been great to like hear from other couples, like what's working for them, even if their sure. stories don't seem like crazily exciting, you know, yeah. like like or something like completely rare of how they came together and like what happened right. in the relationship. It's just like a good way for me to like understand like. You know, I and a lot of them, all the couples actually, I know, and so like I know the things that they're into, yeah. and so it's just interesting to see like the dynamic when you sit them down in front of a microphone right. and they start to talk, and it's it's been very enlightening for me, and I think one of the things that I love, even from the book that kind of ties into it, and also like from what we talked about before, mm -hmm. is like how like what's success in a marriage, right? right. Yeah. And I think um, for me, um, you know, in in the book, it, it it was quoted that said success. Uh, is by what's accomplished and not um, how long it lasts. Because right. I think I was yeah. I was starting to like kind of trip over my words the last time we talked about like, well, it wasn't successful because it ended. But then I was just like, but I learned from it. So you know what I mean. And I feel that's like right. that's I'm like starting to like wrap my head more around this. And then I think the other thing is you know it's like marriage to complete you versus challenge you. Right. And I think like I most definitely feel challenged in my relationship with Emily and I feel like I've been able to accomplish a lot more on my own than I ever have been. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and it's less of, Emily, I need you to help me to do this and more of, Emily, I'm gonna go do this. And she's like, cool, like, good luck. Or like, she's listening to every podcast like, and she'll listen to it while we're commuting uh, into the city on mm -hmm. the bus. Um, and she'll be like laughing or like asking me questions or like giving me feedback. I know I had the, <laughs> the episode with Aaron and Matt where we were in a restaurant and it was like extremely loud. So I'm learning. I'm learning. You can pick up your copy of The New I Do by Susan P. Godois and Vicki Larson at couplecollective.com slash library. Now for part two, where we pivot just a bit. The, the other thing that I want to talk about um, that kind of touches on The New I Do, but also just society, society in general. Sure. Um, just like social pressure pressures, yeah. uh, like again, like the idea of telling somebody that you're going to have a, a short term contract, they'd probably laugh at you or be like, what are you doing? But then also, you know, Emily and I have lived together for, uh, a little over a year and a half. I think I got that exactly right. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> first time. And, you know, I go to work and like, uh, it's pretty funny. Like my coworker is going to laugh because I think she actually listens, but she, I called her over to my desk to show her something, to show her actually uh, the cards that I had made for the couple collective. Yeah. Because she's into calligraphy, so I thought she'd like them. And I, I am to her, I was like, come over to my desk, I want to show you something. And she's like, assuming that it's like the ring for Emily. And I'm just like, right. first of all, like we're yeah. close, but yeah. like, I'm not going to bring the ring to work, <laughs> number one. Yeah. <laughs> and like number two, like a lot of times when I have conversations with people, like, well, you guys are like, you guys have lived together for a year and a half. So of course you guys are going to get married soon. Like when is going to happen? Like right. when are you going to pull the trigger? And I'm just like, number one, it's none of your business. Like sure. number two, like I'm not going to tell you like yeah. when I'm going to do it or how I'm going to do it. No matter how close we are, like as like, yeah. you know, there's only going to be a few people that know, like yeah. probably my parents. Her Join, parents it's and just maybe our siblings in the, in, the, in the cave here. Right. Trust me, it's fine. Right, right. We'll, not, we'll just turn off the recorder right now, and then we'll come back. And hold on, pause. And we're back. Okay. All right. All right. But like, the thing is, it's so funny because it's like, I guess one of my questions that I have for you is, yeah. Um, when does the societal pressure end? Which I, I <laughs> think I know the answer for that. No, look, because it doesn't end. So you know, you right. Let's say you hadn't met him, and yeah. you were out here. You were, you know, single, healthy, career-minded individual. Yeah. Like, I mean, or, or even take a step back. You're in high school, right? Yeah. 
Everyone's asking you, so what's next? What college are you going to go to? Exactly. Are, are you playing ball at that college? Right? What are you going to do? What are you going to study? All right. And then they're like, well, you're at your college, you're getting close to graduating. People, like questions are asking, where are you, where are you going to get a career? What, what job are you going to get? And are you going to meet anyone nice? Have you met anyone? Like, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, when you meet the people at like the holiday functions and the, you see the family yeah. again, if you're single, the first question they are like, have you met anyone? Are you dating? You yeah. know, why didn't you bring them along to this meal? Right. You know, yeah. and then I'll tell you, uh, you know, in our experiences, as soon as we got engaged, as soon as we were married, immediately people were like, when are you going to have kids? kids? Yeah. You know, when are you going to, when are you going to procreate? You know, because I think ultimately, you know, pre-birth control, yeah. it, it was a lot easier for people because you got married and then you immediately had a kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, that just happened. Right. Birth control means that, you know, the, the advent means that there's a lot more uh, women that have empowerment and entitlement in terms of deciding when and their, when with their body, they're going to do what. And, you know, it means that we can delay family, we can family plan. Yeah. And, and, but that does mean though, that like we've interrupted the social order a little bit for the past few decades for the better, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, you know, in the way society is set up that if you get married at 18 or 19 and then have a kid at 2021, 20, that's necessarily going to be the best thing for that, those kids of this family. I think we've created a new system and what works for me, I think, you know, might work for other people. Yeah. If people want to get married at 20, I don't think society's really set up for you anymore. I think that you need a bit more education in order to provide, at least here in the Bay area. Right. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, you, you're always going to have uh, an opportunity where people are going to ask you, uh, for various reasons yeah. about your life choices and have assumptions based on where you are, what you should be doing. Yeah. You're, you're never going to get away from that. Okay. Um, and I think it's important to try to take a step back, take a breath, recognize that, you know, sometimes people have malicious intent. Most of the time people are, are not malicious in these questions. A lot of time they're trying to get to know you better. They're trying to have, uh, you know, I think they have good intent, even if it can put uh, uh, discomfort or pressure on you in yeah. a way. Um, and and for, for the record, I, I don't feel pressure. I kind of like laugh it off because it's sure. like, it's at the end of the day it's my decision and totally um you know even just by the idea of me having a podcast they should know that like i'm going to take my time and i'm going to understand like what works for me what works for yeah. me and my partner emily and like how we're going to move forward totally um but i guess it's kind of tied into that um societal pressure of asking questions constantly i think also there's um social media Right. And right. seeing yeah. your friend get engaged, seeing your friend have a baby, seeing right. X, Y, and Z. And I think one of the things that actually makes me pretty angry about um, Instagram and Facebook and, and I don't have a Facebook account. I haven't had one in three years. I actually have, in all honesty, I do have a one that I use for side hustle stuff, okay. but only for that, not yeah. for the way in which people typically use it. But, you know, I do post to Instagram. Like, I definitely want to spread the word about the Couple Collective. So I'll most definitely post there. But I guess the thing that bothers me the most is when I meet, let's say, one of Emily's friends that I've never met before. Sure. Emily meets one of my friends that she's never met before. And they say, like, oh, you guys are so happy. Like, things are going so well with you guys. And I'm just like, you've never met her. I've never, you've never met me. Right. You've never hung out with us. Like, how do you really know? And, like, things are going great. Totally. And I'll, I will tell you, like, if things are not going great, um, but it, it's just that bothers me because then it was like for a while, I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to post because people might be misconstruing like what's going on in a relationship, number one. And two, they might see it as like, oh, I wish I had this yeah. and then put more pressure on themselves. And so I guess 
as a part of conversations that you have with couples, does does social media come up? I, you know, yes, okay. it does. Is it any different from pre-social media days where you'd go to the company cocktail party and everyone's smiling and having these like, uh, these like, uh, what's the term? Um, you know, you've like, uh, these like the shallow conversations, like the, the, the cocktail chat, yeah. right? And you're like, oh, how's it going? Oh, great. You know, so-and-so just got promotion. Oh, the kids are great. They're in these activities. And you go home and you're like, well, what about keeping up with the Joneses? Like, yeah. Their lives seem so perfect. But like in those, in those short moments, you're not going to get into depth, right? You're not going to be like, you know, it would be really uh, jarring if yeah. you went and met people at a happy hour and they were like, gosh, thank you so much for asking how I'm doing because I'm doing terribly. You know, my partner and I over here are just getting into an argument. I don't, you know, we just, we, we were, we were yelling in the car the whole way over here, yeah. really upset the Uber driver. Right. And then like, and we're, we're having financial difficulties and we don't know what to do. Like you were like, wow, I just said, hi. I was hoping you'd just say fine and <laughs> right. ask me how I'm doing. And, yeah. and now you've disrupted that social contract. We yeah. Have. And, and so there has always been the pressure for anybody about, am I whole compared to other people in my yeah. experience, am I Am I doing okay? Yeah. Am I am I doing well? Uh, could I be doing better? Yeah. Um, and and I think social media provides us a fire hose of information. Yeah, it's definitely and amplified. It totally amplified, right? And and you see it all the time. Uh-huh. And you don't. And I think you know if if all you consume about your friends is what they choose to put out on the social media. Yeah. That is going to give you a very narrow focus about what they're choosing to share. Yeah. And isn't always going to be an authentic experience about the entirety of their experience. Um, and, and, you know, but I, I think people have always struggled with a uh, gosh, I just feel like everyone else has their shit together and yeah. I don't. And what does that mean for me? Am I in some way deficient? Am I not good enough? Am I, am I doing this wrong? Am I, it, it, and I think it's kind of the existentialist in me, right? You know, if, if this idea of like, if life has no meaning, Right? Yeah. If there isn't the divine plan that has my life going in a particular direction, and if you believe in the divine plan, great. It's good for you. <laughs> I, I, I'm still looking for mine. Right. But if we have to find meaning out of meaninglessness, yeah. that can be scary if you haven't found a way to have your life have meaning, whether with a couple, with another partner, or you're by yourself. And that, the, you know, if you're in that transition phase, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, like have you heard of the quarter life crisis, right? Yeah. People have. You know, you've just finished college. You maybe have a job and maybe it's your first job. And all of a sudden, like your first job didn't turn into your career for 50 years. Right. Right. All of a sudden you're like, now what do I do? Or I don't know what to study in grad school is kind of the question I think a lot of people have. Like, I have no idea what I want my career or whatever quotes that is. Yeah. That's when people start having that quarter life crisis. Then I think there's the midlife crisis where suddenly like you've maybe gotten your career, you're married and you've had kids now. You've done all the things and now there's no script. Right. All of a sudden, it's like you, you're like, all right, the next thing I need to do, I've done all those things, and now you're at this precipice. And you're like, what's next? And then when people have crisis, like, oh, my gosh, the next thing is to die. Like, and all of a sudden, like, well, there's so much life left to live. What should I do? What's the meaning my life is going to have? Yeah. And if they don't have meaning in their career or they haven't found meaning in their children or if they're not getting the meaning they want out of their spouse, that can be really scary for people. Yeah. So, you know, but it's that self-work, it's that introspection, it's that opportunity to take a bit of time and ask, what is it do I really want out of life? Yeah. To be able to then go and get it. Or at least, 
walk that path to go and get it, even if you don't ever really grab it. You know, if it's that that dragon you're chasing as you're you're running you know running that path, you know, if maybe that's the journey. It's like just trying to get there. Yeah. You know, and tying it back to the new idea, I think in the first chapter, as I re- frantically reread yesterday, <laughs> I have something intelligent to say about this thing. You know, they, they mentioned even the advent of television, right, you yeah. know, in the 1950s. And suddenly people had a lot of disposable income, people came home from the war, and they were buying televisions, and they were producing content. And, you know, they were, they were producing, you know, situational comedies or TV shows about the nuclear family. So yeah. they were always a straight couple, married, yeah. with children, yeah. living in two twin beds, right? You know, yeah. they didn't have anybody sleeping in the same bed. And, and, but then, you know, people were watching these families and getting a, a view of these families. But that then shaped this idea of what the family was supposed to look like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're comparing yourself to the Cleavers, right? Leave it to Beaver, right? It's like they never fight. Or, or like, you know, Beaver breaks a window and lied about it. And then they have the sit-down talk and it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Beaver, you, know, you really need to tell the truth. Right. Yeah, Dad, okay. And, and credits, yeah. right? But like, they never argue, they never fight, you know. You know, that Beaver's dad uh, never came home drunk, right? Yeah. And then get into a fight and hit his mom, right? That there was a lot of reality for yeah. a lot of people that just didn't happen, right? Yeah. You know, Beaver's dad didn't come home and like, oh yeah, dad still has some like they didn't have the term PTSD, but he was like, he was in the war because all the men were in the war. And he came back and he had the thousand yard stare and he was grappling and dealing with the emotions of the war at the time. Right? There was so much that they did not write into scripts. Yeah. But what that gave is this false impression of what a family should look like yeah. that caused massive amounts of insecurity because the family they saw on television was not how their family was. Right. It was the social media of the day. It, it, it's always been there. Yeah. And I think the more we can understand that is a fiction. Social media is a particular painting that has been painted for public consumption. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that that is really what the flowers look like or smell like, or it doesn't show the manure that those flowers needed to you know, grow in. Yeah. There's a whole lot that went into painting that picture, if that picture is even a truth that isn't even real. Yeah. It just might be a, a simulation or a picture that is just completely false and fictional. We just don't know. Yeah, and I guess um, in line with that, like, I feel like there are maybe more TV shows now that might paint a better picture of the constructs of families today yeah. like the modern families of the world or the black issues of the world mm-hmm. um and i feel like they bring in more issues they do it in a comedic way sure um but they bring in more issues which i think it's is appreciated but then is it then the responsibility or is it, maybe it's not anybody's responsibility but right. should more people that are producing this content in media try to paint the picture of what is reality versus you know, what's going to allow for them to sell ads? I, I mean, I, I think the content producer's responsibility is to make money for the advertisers, yeah. right? And for the <laughs> shareholders, right? True. That, that is their only responsibility in yeah. a capitalist system. Um, some good can come of it. I think in some of the telenovelas, yeah. uh, there is some talk uh, where some of the TV lines, I think in Brazil, uh, there was one story I heard where one of the characters they wrote in was uh, was illiterate and they were going to a school to learn how to read. And all of a sudden, like over like a two-year time span, literacy rates among women jumped up 25%. Like ridiculous amounts. And it's just because they wrote in. And then so they then started to write in like social commentary or social justice pieces into the telenovela. They were never the, the primary focus. Yeah. But anytime they did that, whether maybe someone 
was like a, a woman went to get tested for an STI, like suddenly testing centers were flooded. Like they just kind of normalized the experience. It, you know, it's so hard to make a commentary about culture and consumption. Like, I, I don't really know what the right thing is. And yeah. I think, I think the, the responsibility is always going to be on the consumer. Like, understand who's making your, the product you're consuming. Understand what their agenda is. Yeah. And make an informed choice. Is the escapist entertainment that we are consuming, is it, is it something that is bringing you up? Or does it make you anxious because, for some reason, that your life is lacking in some way? Ultimately, all the advertisers make their money by making you insecure enough to purchase their product because that's going to fulfill your life in some way. Yeah, that's right. And you know, like I, I don't, I don't begrudge them um, for for that. They, they are they're trying to make money like the rest of us. But you know, I think the you you the only onus I think is going to be on individual responsibility on this piece for me. I, I you know, I think that. You know, yeah, I don't know. Okay, no, no, that, that's fair. And, and like working in marketing and advertising, I think there are brands that are doing a good job of telling a story around their brand that brings value to people. And I sure. think there's probably the majority that are just looking for ways for people to consume their product because they're public and they need to make money and they need they have shareholders. Um, but I guess tying it back yeah. to the new, the new we, we got yeah. off the rails. <laughs> we got a little off the rails. Way on the rails. Uh, the new idea. You know, I do feel that I want people to know that. I want people to read the book. I want people to know that they have the ability to shape their own relationship, define their own success. If they want to create a contract or not, they can do so. Um, if they want to get married or not, they can do so. You know, if it's easier, it, it, I, I think actually, you know, it, uh, a more if people get caught up on this idea of like a starter relationship and a, and a contract, like yeah. if that if that if they're getting caught up on that language, so many people have five year plans, like that yeah. is a that is and, and, and if you're like you know what we, we you know we sat down and we as a couple we put together a five year plan like we, we where that. we want to be what we want to accomplish in those five years and and how we're going to go about doing it that is a very powerful you know uh, society has has heard that and understands what that is. We, you know, I think that is a more, you know, uh, socially acceptable terminology yeah. that fit within this framework. It's, again, it's just this idea of like, what are we going to, if we're going to come together, what are we going to, what's the first bit of our relationship going to look like? For some people, like um, uh, the, the last people you interviewed, yeah. they decided not a big wedding was not a value of theirs, but travel and having experiences together. Like yeah. that was part of their thing. And that was part of their, like, but did they say our starter marriage is about traveling and experiencing the world? No, but they had a conversation about their values yeah. and made choices based on their values. Yeah. That's right. True. And so, and then they came together and they, they, they accomplished that. And then they have this really great experience that they then look back and say, look what we accomplished together that we wouldn't have been able to do apart. Yeah. And, and they've continued the travels, which is awesome. Well, and then maybe that's a value of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, if either of them had met someone else, it's like, you know what? I'm really not into travel. I'm actually more of a homebody. Uh, they, might have, they might not have been able to have that relationship. Sure. Or they've said, you know what? I'm a homebody, but I, I would love to live vicariously through you. You find a travel partner and go see the world and then come back and tell me all about it. Maybe that would have worked for them. Or maybe like, you know what? Actually, I, the person I want to travel is the one I want to be my intimate partner spouse. Yeah. So I, that isn't going to be a relationship that's going to fit for me. I'm going to go find someone that is going to fit what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any other advice that you'd want to give from the book, but this has been awesome. I, you know, I, again, I, I think if anyone's, it, it, the, the reason I, I bring this is it just has a few different templates and it, it gives you this idea of 
if there's something you want out of your relationship and you're like, gosh, would anyone really want that with me? Yeah. I, there, the world, there's 7 billion people in the world. You, you can, I think you can find someone who will meet most of your needs. You're never going to get someone who's the one, but you're going to round up to the one. I think you can get really close. You yeah. can get to that 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7. And, you know, I, I think there, there are certainly various relationship styles that are going to meet certain needs of yours and certain wants of yours. And you're not going to get everything out of that. But I think if you have a, a, a wide community, I think we can get supported by our communities in various ways. And maybe our primary partner is that person for all of it. Maybe it's our primary partner for some of it. And I think the things that you want are okay yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. But for the most part. <laughs> and I think, you know, have a, do, some, do some of your own, do your homework, right? Yeah. Do, look in that mirror and figure out who are you what do you want and how do you want to go about getting it? And once you have that set up, then you can, it's going to be easier to find that other person, see how they fit in terms of that jigsaw puzzle. Um, and, and then work that out together and go out and just experience life. And have a great one. Awesome. Man. And come tell me all about it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much again. All right. Great Appreciate to be here it. again. Thank you kindly for joining us on the podcast today. Between now and next time, visit us at www.couplecollective.com or follow us via our social channels at Couple Collective. If you've been enjoying the episodes or the podcast in general, please tell a friend, tell a couple, or subscribe via your favorite podcasting service. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be featured with your story, you can contact us via the form on the website or at 774-226-8753. Until next time, Much love.